Hey, what's going on, guys? So today we have another episode of Muay Thai Save Me, all by myself, as it should be. But I also have my partner, Crew Neil, who um, unfortunately today isn't helping me host this. However, I do have a special guest today, Crew Neil. <laughs> and you guys. Uh, today, you know, I think it's a story that everybody's been wanting to hear. I know it's a story that, for the most part, I know. A good majority of your life and everything that has gone gone on in the Muay Thai world and your personal life. And uh, I just think it'd be it'd be amazing just to hear, you know what I mean, a little bit about um, your background and everything. And I guess okay. we'll start off with um, just telling us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got introduced to Muay Thai. Things okay. like that. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad to be here, but thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, it's some, a story I don't really share too often with a lot of people. Only the, the close people know me know about this story but um how i discovered muay thai believe it or not it was 1989 parents just got divorced not too long ago and uh, there's a movie called kickboxer starring van damme the eight, 1989 version um my mom's dating who was soon to be my crew right um they were they took me out me and my sister and uh, we went to the theater to see kickboxer and after the movie, you know how kids are, right? You're so excited seeing the movie. I was just like, oh, man, Muay Thai, wow. And uh, I remember, I'll never forget, Kurex is like, oh, you, you, like, you like Muay Thai? And I was like, yeah, it's so cool. And he's like, well, I actually teach, uh, you know, several days a week at MTA in North Hollywood. And at, back, at that time, um, Muay Thai Academy was the only Muay Thai gym in the Valley. Like, they really, like, they're the pioneers of it. Um, that's where everyone would go to back in the day. And so, uh, sure enough, that day that he taught, he brought me over. And I'll never forget, uh, you know, I was nine years old. And, you know, as I'm walking up to the gym, I'll never forget the sounds I heard. You know, you just hear this, yes, yes. And I'm just like, what is that sound? You know, you could hear it's like something being hit. Right. And you'd see, hear this crazy sound. I'm like, what is this sound? And, you know, the door, I remember that both doors were open and I walk in and there was a TIE fighter in the ring at that time. And he was wailing on the pads. And I remember nine years old looking at the, the TIE fighter in awe. My mouth dropped and I was like, I want to be like that. And, uh, so I had my first class and I remember Crew X was so shocked. Um, like of just how quickly I got things like it was just fighting has always been uh, I've always been interested in fighting I watched all the action movies um fun story you know I, I used to play with a lot of G.I. Joes and I would make like choreographed scripts with G.I. Joe figures I would make like you know here's the star and he's saving the girl and yeah. I'd make like these choreographed fight scenes with my G.I. Joes I would paint like marker red and I would like mark their face with blood as he's getting like beat up yeah, and yeah. he comes back and so I would do all that but anyways um yeah I took my first class and I remember Craig's just like in shock like what the heck this kid's never trained before how was he doing this and I remember adults would walk by me like nodding their head like man Craig that's your son and he would be like, yeah, that's my son. And, uh, you know, just training. And it was something that came very natural to me. And uh, Were so you I, a fighter, like, as a kid prior to that? Would you fight in school and things like that? Or? Uh, several times, yeah, believe it or not. And I remember, um, you know, I was really skinny when I was young, like, really skinny. And I remember sometimes kids would try to, you know, tease me or pick on me. And I remember some incidents in the bathroom where I just let them have it, you know. And they were just, they were just like, stop, stop. And I didn't think anything of it, you right. know. Um, but yeah, I did. And 
I trained for several years, and uh, you know my sister Candy. Um, so Candy actually fought first, and if you know me and my sister were six years apart, so she fought when she was five years old. So at that time, I'm what thirteen, uh, and uh, I was so inspired by her. After she fought, I said, "You know what? I want to do that now. I I want to fight. I need to jump and do this." And so I told myself. I'm gonna train one whole year. I'm gonna commit to fight train because I don't want to embarrass my my parents. You know, my mom and Kurex. I'm representing the gym, so I committed myself to a full year, just training, training, training. Um, and yeah, a year later, just like I said, when I was 14, I start I started fighting, and I uh, competed from 14 years old to 28 years old. I only retired at 28 because Kurex uh, and I and my mom, we just weren't working as a family anymore. You know, we were we had a lot of issues, and so it was just better that we separated. Mm. It was better for everyone involved, and because of that, I kind of had to hang up the gloves, so to speak, and then just kind of be the head trainer and take over everything. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's kind of like my uh, my fight career, and throughout my fight career, I've I've earned three titles, you know, and. Mm. Uh, Yeah, and then a, prior to that, prior to uh, doing Muay Thai at 14, did you ever do any other sports or anything like that? Any other activities? I loved, I loved basketball. Basketball was always my second favorite sport. Uh, basketball was definitely something I, I caught on to. Like at eight years old, it was when I started playing, and I was like, "This, oh, this sport's great." Um, but other than that, I, I remember I was at a private school when I was like in, in sometime in elementary school. I, I want to say like first, second maybe third grade, I think second grade, I think first or second grade. And I remember uh, at their private school, a karate instructor came to the school and was giving out free lessons for anyone that wanted it. So I took it and uh, I'll never forget the day. Um, my mom comes to pick me up after the class and the karate instructor comes over and he, he starts talking to my mom. He's like, look, um, she's, he's like, Kim, your son was the best in the class. Everything I taught him, he picked it up so fast. Is this something he'd be interested in doing? And he looks at me, and I look at—I remember looking at the instructor. And at that time, I had a face that I would make to my mom when I didn't want to do something, but I just didn't have the courage to say, like, I didn't want to hurt right, his feelings. Right, right, right. So I gave my mom that look, and then so she saw it. She was like, "Oh, you know what? Let's—we'll go home and talk about it, and we'll, you know, and, and we'll we'll let you know." And so as we're walking away, my mom goes, "Why didn't you want to do it?" And I'm like, it was boring. Mm. I told her, I was like, it was boring. Like, I didn't, I didn't like it. So it was funny, you know, several years later, when I'm um, nine years old now, I get introduced to Muay Thai. I loved it. Like, I knew this is what I want. This so is what I want to do. that look? I didn't give that look. Right. What is that look, by the way? Uh, it was kind of, uh, let, let me see. Let me see. Oh, I've seen that look before. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was the look. And my mom, uh, my mom was like, okay, yeah. Got it, got it, got it. And then... So you're 14, you start training, you know what I mean? You fall in love with it. When was your first fight would be my first question. And my second question is, do you remember getting punched the first time where somebody actually wants to, you know, win and hurt you? Do you remember that? Um, I do. Um, so funny story. Um, that actually came from a sparring match, believe it or not. That uh, I remember we were at MTA And I remember Kurex, it was a sparring day, and this was my first time sparring. I was um, 12 years old. I was 12 years old, and we were just doing boxing sparring. 12 years old, 
I might have even been 10, to be honest, in between 10 to 12, right? And he put me in with a 16-year-old girl. She was bigger than me. He told everyone, all right, take it easy. This is controlled sparring, but we're putting on headgears, you know, just to, just to be safe. We're like, okay. So I go in there like this is supposed to be controlled. This girl comes out swinging for the fences. And I'm like, oh, shoot. I put my guard up and I'm just letting her wail. I'm trying to like, like what the heck's, you know, I'm that first initial shock. I've never been punched before in my life, let alone hard. Right. So I'm, I've got my guard up and I remember there's an opening and I load up and I throw a right cross bah, and I hit her in the face. Her eyes. I'm telling you, buddy, like she gets so mad. She starts swinging chola status, like just swinging. I'm just blocking. And every time I get a chance, bah, I just keep punching her in the face. And then Krex actually had to stop it. He's like, oh, stop, stop, stop. And he had to calm that girl down. And I was calm the whole time. And but that was my first and like, dude, this girl's trying to take my head off. Dude. I'm only I'm a kid. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I'm just a kid. What are you doing? But that was my first initial. Um, fast forward. I'm but really quick. Did you guys end up dating? No. Remember Barbara no. Brown? He got an elbow no. and he ended up dating. So. No. <laughs> I heard that's tradition or something. That's what happens. <laughs> not, not, not in my head. Oh, okay. Not in my right, head. I don't, right. I, don't, I don't run like that. <laughs> but yeah, fast forward uh, to 14 years old. I remember it was just before the new year. And um, I went to Costa Mesa. They were doing smokers at that time. For anyone that doesn't know what smokers are, it was back in the day when small-time Muay Thai gyms were allowed to just host um, amateur fights. You would come to the, the gym like hours before the event would start, and right. they would weigh you in. Um, from age, height, and weight, and experience, and they would just weigh you in. So we went to Costa Mesa, and I got matched up. I was 14 years old. I got matched up with another 14-year-old kid. And I'll never forget, buddy, um, you know, we're both 14 years old. I'm a skinny toothpick. We weigh the exact same, but I'm a foot taller than him. I'll never forget, he, uh, he comes into the dressing room. He wants to know who I am. And so the trainer's like, there he is. That's your opponent. And I will never forget this shorter kid looks me up and down. I could take him. Wow. And in my head, I was like, oh, you can take him. Okay, we'll see. You know, but I did not look threatening at all. If you saw me at 14 years old, like I did not look imposing by any means. And um, when people saw that fight, they said it looked like I was hitting pads. Like that's, I was just teeing off no on the shit. kid, like just from round one. And after the fight, I won by unanimous decision. And um, the trainer of my opponent came rushing over to Crew Rex and was complaining like, you said that was your son's first fight. How many fights has he had? Nobody believed Crew Rex and my mom that that was my very first fight. Everyone thought, no, he's lying. There's yeah. no way. And they're like, we were just as shocked as you were. Um, so that was like my first incident. Were you nervous? Well, I mean, like for your first fight, like we, we hear from our fighters and, you know, things like that. Um, how, how did you feel at 14? You know, cause we don't really have a lot of young amateur, you know, yeah. young kids that are fighting for us right now. How did you, how do you feel being 14? I mean, I can't imagine most individuals. I mean, I have a 14 year old. I can't imagine what would go through his head, let alone, mm -hmm. you know, spar. What did you feel in that moment? Like, were you scared? But believe it or not, I was actually little butterflies here and there throughout the week of the fight. Um, but the moment Kurex was wrapping my hands, all nerves went out the door. I was super calm, super focused. Um, and the moment I stepped into the ring, I felt at home. It, that's something that I think is just a natural instinct for me. I just always feel at home when I'm in the ring. I feel comfortable. It's a weird, it's a weird feeling because I know not everyone feels like that, but I always felt comfortable. My nerves 
all seized up once I got my hand wraps on. Once my hand wraps are on, I was good to go. Interesting. Yeah. And um, I, for those of that people that don't know, um, I literally, my training schedule was six days a week. Um, you know, at that time, I'm going to school, right? I'm going to high school. So I'd get up super early in the morning. I'd wake up at 6 a.m. I'd go do my long distance run. I'd come back, shower, eat breakfast, wait for the bus, take the bus over to high school. When I would get to school, I'd eat a little bit more because I was hungry. I would eat breakfast, go play some basketball on the courts, wait for class to start, go to class. I was literally eating all day and playing basketball. So we'd have a 10 minute nutrition. I would eat a snack real quick and do like a little game of like some type of one on one, like some type of basketball game. Go back to class, lunchtime, eat lunch, go play full court basketball. After that, then I would go to an off campus um, site, come back. My mom would pick me up, take me to the gym. And we, I went to a Glendora High School. So that's a long drive. So I would sleep in the car. We'd get to the gym in Van Nuys. We were located in Van Nuys at that time. I would eat dinner, study, do my homework, and that would give my digestion, right, my food digestion. Then I'd go into training. And from that point, it was probably like 6-something, six 6-something six to 9 p.m. I'd just train Muay Thai. Um, after that, as I was waiting for my mom, I would go in the back parking lot and shoot some basketball hoops because my mom bought me a bat. So that's literally what I did for four years straight from high school. Um, I was literally fighting almost every month if I was able to get a matchup. No and by 15 years old, kids my age didn't want to fight me anymore. I, it was, I was going to these smokers and kids were like, no, I don't want to fight them. Don't want to fight them. So at 15 years old, I started having the only way I was going to able to be fighting was to fight adults. So I started fighting 23 year olds and up. So wow. at 15 years old, fighting 23 year olds and up from this point on, never fought a kid my own age. And anymore. is that allowed? I mean, I know you did it back then. Is that allowed now or how does that work? It is. But a lot of times it's parents. It's a lot of like coaches that are like, no, no. But at that time, it was just my trainer Kurex believed in me. My mom was like, let's do it. As long as they're the same weight, let's do it. Now, you going know. back to those four years, um, there was no what? There was no friends, no hanging out, no going to the arcades, none. movies, girlfriends, dating, any of that? None. None. I, I was literally, that's all I did. And I'm not joking. Six days a week, I stayed away from my friends. So my friends that I hung out with at the time at school started getting into partying, started mm -hmm. getting into ecstasy. I remember ecstasy was like this new drug that came out and people were talking about it. Oh, we're going to go to this house party, this house party. Hey, do you want to you wanna go... Do you want to go, uh, you know, with us? And I'm like, oh, sorry. And it's funny because I never shared what I was doing outside of school. Really? No one knew I trained. No one knew I was uh, doing Muay Thai. No one knew I was competing. No one knew because I didn't want, in my head, I don't know if it was right or wrong, but I didn't want any unwanted attention in a sense. Like people would try to test me at school. Like, oh, you, you think you're hot? Like you, you think you learn Muay Thai? Let me see what you got. I didn't want that type of attention. And so I, I just kept it quiet. It. You know, I just kept it quiet. And nobody ever found out or did you ever get tested at any point? Um, I remember one incident in high school. Um, I think I was a junior in high school and in the PE locker room, um, huge locker room. And some guy like tried to, he was messing with my friend and I stepped in. I was like, man, stop messing with him, dude. Like, you know, I was just telling him like, you need to pick on someone your own size, man. Leave him alone. And my friend's name was Minor at the time. And he's like, what, like you? And so he pushed me into the, uh, he pushed me 
And right away, my fight instinct went on. I went and I shoved him. Now, keep in mind this. I was still a skinny little toothpick. Mm. I, mean, I was probably like 5'9", five, 5'10", five, at this time. And I probably was like 130 to 135 at most. Oh, wow. Um, I was a skinny little toothpick. And when I shoved him, I shoved him so hard, he went into the lockers. Bang! This big, this bigger guy. He was like three times the size of me. And you should have seen the look in his eyes. It was like fear. Like, how did that skinny little toothpick shove me that hard into the lockers? He kind of just was like, he just didn't say anything after I shoved him. He just kind of brushed himself off, fixed his sweater, and he just kind of walked off. Bell rang. We just went to class. Did he never once did he ever say anything to me ever again? So that was the only time I ever got like tested at school. Right on, you know, right on. yeah. Shout out to skinny people out there, right? <laughs> yeah, Do Muay Thai, you'll be yeah. shoving as big as dudes out there, you know? <laughs> um, that's pretty amazing, man. There's a lot of these things that I haven't, I don't think we've even gotten this depth. I, I, don't, our, think so you know either, I, mean? I um, don't think so either, I don't think so either. What was your, um, do you remember your first time that you did lose a fight? And like, how did you feel? What happened and things mm -hmm. like that? Yes. Uh, my very first fight I lost was actually um, a time frame where I was, I've been doing it for four years straight. Um, I'm undefeated at this point, you know, literally fighting like almost every month. Um, Shout out to my mom for keeping me grounded, though. She was one one person that never let me get big headed. You know, she was always I could never do anything right. It was even if I won by knockout, um, my mom would always be like, you forgot to do this. Why'd you let him do that? It was always something I had to work on. So a shout out, big shout out to my mom for doing that. But my first time losing at this point, I wasn't really commuting to the gym anymore. I was try just training at home, right, doing my little bag workouts and stuff. And I guess my mind was kind of just drained. I was just um, not really fully there mentally, um, in great shape, but not physically there. Mm. And I remember we were, I was fighting a, a guy who was a little bit older than me and like really wanted it. He really, he was a champion too. I was a champion and he really wanted it. And I remember in the first round, he like threw a head kick and it clipped me in the temple area and I went down for the first time. And I remember being able to get up, but my mind was like, nah, just stay down. Mm. And so I stayed down. I didn't even fight to like get back up. Um, and so I lost my first round knockout. And I remember um, leaving the ring just in such disappointment with myself that I let my mom down. I let my, my crew down. I let crew X down. I let everyone at the gym that came to watch me down and I let myself down. I, I remember I was like heartbroken. Like, how could you let this happen, man? Like why, why, you know, you've gone so successful for so long. Like, why would you do this? So I think a bit of me was a little bit big headed. Maybe I didn't verbally say it, but my work ethic showed it. Got you know, it, it. I wasn't as in shape. I wasn't as sharp as I thought I was. So they, that that would be my first taste of loss and how I felt like just heartbroken. And after that, was there like a was there a comeback? Did your mindset change? Did your training go back? Like, did, what did you get out of there? What did you learn? There, there was uh, definitely. I gotta, I gotta get back in there. Uh, so I definitely got back in there, changed up my training regimen, definitely put the work in this time. Um, and I remember fighting this much older guy. Um, I think he was like in his, uh, at this time, I'm what, 17, 18? I'm like 18 years old right now, so I'm much older. 
but this guy was easily like 28, 29, you know, still high up there. And I remember um, fighting, 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 fighting. And I felt like I did a good fight this time and I lost by decision. And I was like, what? You know, and true story, years go by. Um, not until I would say two and a half years ago, not even joking, a student of ours, Cornel, I think I found a, a video of you when you were really young fighting. Really? And he, he's like, look, let me show you. And he shows it. It's that fight. Oh, shit. It's that fight. So I'm like, holy cow, I've never seen footage of this fight. At that time, my mom couldn't bring in the camcorder. The Hilton was like very strict, like you can't bring camcorders in. And so I never got, I never saw footage of that fight. And so when I saw the fight, I was like, wait, how did I lose that fight? I should have won that fight. And so I call my mom up. I'm like, mom, I send her the link on YouTube so she can watch it. And um, she gets mad right away. The moment she, she looks at the video and she's like, you should have won that. And like, she talks to me like, you should have won that fight. Everyone in the crowd was saying, how, how did your son lose that? He totally, and it was funny because that fight, I thought I sucked. I really did. I thought I sucked at, you know what? I lost again. Maybe I, maybe fighting, I need to take a break from fighting. I'm not doing well. And then I see the fight video years later and I did amazing. And I was like, wow. And it was like a learning experience of going back to why it's so important to have the right people around you. Because if someone would have told me, like broke everything down, like you should have won that fight and broke things down, how the fight went, like we don't understand why the judges were scoring this and that you were doing this and this, I would have kept going at that age because I did do an, a, an amazing job. Right. And students that have seen that link, they're like, crew, how did you lose that fight? Even there, they're like, you blocked the majority of his punches that he was throwing, yeah. you know? So it was, it was kind of cool in retrospect, but yeah, I took a five-year hiatus. I don't train. I don't, sorry, I'm still training, but in my own time at my own little home gym, you know, but I'm not going to the gym anymore. I'm just taking a break. How old are you there? Um, now I'm, I'm 18, okay. turning, about to be 19. And now I'm like, now I'm going out. Mm. Now I'm like partying. Now I'm going on dates. I'm, you know what I mean? Now I'm doing things that I thought I missed out on. Right, right, right. I did that for about five years. And then after that, Started missing out. Started, um, I was actually trying to um, apply for a, the police. I was actually trying to become a cop at that time. And because of that, it brought me back to the gym. I started training and realized, oh my gosh, I miss this environment. Like I miss being around people, not just training by myself. And um, it's just so happened. We're at a dinner and Kurex mentions, oh yeah, there's a fight coming up. And uh, my friend Rami, shout out to Rami. I think you've met Rami yeah, before too. Rami. Rami kind of challenges me. He's like, hey, Neil, why aren't you fighting that one? And you know, Kurex, Kurex was like, you want to do it? I can set you up. It's in like, uh, I think he said it's in five weeks. We can set that up. And that's how it started. I, I got my first fight five years later and uh, everyone was doubting. Everyone was doubting this fight. Everyone was like- Doubting yeah, you? Doubting me gotcha. and why Kurex would put me to fight this opponent that I had. Um, this guy was an Armenian champion. He had knocked out his last three opponents, heavy-handed, like really good hands. He had knocked out his last three opponents. And they're like, why are you putting your son, after not fighting for five years, why are you putting him to fight this killer who's just knocked out his last three opponents? Why would you do it? But Kurex would always just reply with like his little smirk, like, <laughs> like 
I know something you don't know kind of thing. And he just believed in me. He knew like he saw how I was training. At this time now, I had a lot more strength because I was lifting weights. I was doing strength and um, conditioning now, uh, improving my power. And he just knew. He's like, my son's going to be okay. And so fast forward five weeks later, we fight at the Hollywood Park Casino for the title. Straight out of like a Rocky movie, buddy. Um, a lot of people don't know it because even... I don't have the footage anymore, but even the footage that was filmed by the promoter, they didn't even get this on film. Really? Um, but as you know, as the fighters go to the center of the ring, this guy before he interrupts the ref and he's like, I'm going to bring you pain. I'm going to hit you so hard. You're, you're going to wish you never fought. He was just saying all kinds of stuff. And I was just nodding my head like, OK, OK. You know, and as the ref kind of says the last uh, bit of peace, you know, I blow him a kiss. I'm like, and I blow, and the crowd goes nuts. The crowd's like cheering. And so the round end, the round starts. He comes blasting with punches, and I'm just chopping the legs, chopping the legs, chopping the legs. And I'm surprised he's not blocking any of my kicks. And I'm like, okay, let me just keep teeing off, teeing off. Long story short, third round, he gives up. No he doesn't shit. get, he doesn't come out of the third round to fight the fourth round. So uh, fights win. I win by TKO, leg kicks. And um, I just remember each round progresses, his legs getting straighter and straighter. And he just he's locking his knee out by the end of the third round. And um, he couldn't even look me in the eye when I went to go like shake his hand yeah. and, you know, just show good sportsmanship. Couldn't even look me in the eye after what he had said to me. Yeah. Uh, couldn't even look me in the eye. And uh, one of my students that was training with me at that time told me two guys had to carry him out of the casino that night. Right after the fight, yeah. they just carried him right out. He, the dude could not walk. So yeah. you you take five years off, you come back. This is a title fight. This is a title fight, and you come back. You beat your opponent, uh, you know TKO, right? Yeah, and you win a belt. I'm assuming, or yes. you win yes. a title, mm -hmm. correct? That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's really crazy. And you know, one thing that I'm glad, at least for our um, our relationship, is that I came in a time where you were still active fighter. I think mm -hmm. I saw you either two or three times fight. I know one of them. We went to Vegas and all that. Um, so. Moving forward, like in at the end of your career, when you know your last couple fights and everything, um, what do you think? What do you think? Would you say was like, was it hard for you at that end to really let go of the sport, or do you think you were ready to go and move on to different things? And obviously, you're now, you know, you teach and you teach hundreds of students and all that, and coaches under you. How was that the end of the rope for your career and all that? Did you know it was coming to an end, or? What what was it like either the last year, the last months, the last fights? Where were you in that mindset and how did that end? Basically, that's a great question. Um, I actually, when I retired and Kurex left, I was still hungry. Um, just before Kurex left, I had a title fight lined up in Thailand. I was scheduled to train two weeks here in at, at my gym and then travel to Thailand, train two weeks at the gym I trained with. At that time, it was SKV Gym. I was supposed to train two weeks with them and then fight for my title. Um, but it was the middle of summer at that time. And my first week of training camp, I apparently I had pulled a bicep muscle. I didn't know until after my training was over, my, my, uh, my left bicep swelled up ridiculous. And I was like, what the heck happened? I went to the doctor and they just said, oh, you tore a bicep, you know, so it swelled up really bad. And they were like, you were just really dehydrated. You like, you ripped a muscle so it took about three months to heal. Obviously, I had to cancel out of that fight. And um, three months later, when I'm finally healed, now Kurex and my mom split. Mm. So I was ready to like, let's line this fight back up. Let's get that title shot again. 
um, and just couldn't do it. Kurex and my mom and I, we were just, we just, we, it was time. We had to split up. We just, we were all not happy anymore. And so uh, it was just better for all parties. And then at that time, I was still ready to go. So to answer your question, I would still train. I would still do my running. I would do my sprints. I would train really hard. Um, just hoping I would get another opportunity. I didn't want to let myself go because just in case another opportunity came about, I wanted to be ready for it. And this went on for more years. Um, I'm 28 at this time. I think by the time I hit 33, mm -hmm. I was kind of like, okay, I, I think my fight career is over. Like there's, I started realistically looking at my schedule. Um, crew X isn't around anymore. I didn't really trust anyone that could train me because um, for people that don't know, Crux and I didn't have the best personal relationship. But when it came to fighting, I wouldn't I wouldn't want anyone else in my corner. That guy understood how I fought. He understood. I understood him. We had like a vocabulary that he didn't have to say much, and I knew exactly what he wanted. We had that type of special yeah. bond. And so when he wasn't around, it was just it was kind of like I I don't trust anyone. Right, right. I don't trust anyone that could keep me at that same standard, keep me at that same peak ability. You know, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, I think at 32, 33 was where I kind of just, all right, I'm not going to fight anymore, but I still continue to, you, you know me for years, buddy, right. you know, I always keep myself in shape. So I would still train. Um, but yeah, now fast forward to 2018, when we partner up, um, I was just ready. I, I was ready for a new change in my life. I didn't, I was tired of the life, the traditional Muay Thai trainer life of just teaching classes, going home, barely making anything, any, barely any ends meet. You know what I mean? I, I was tired of that. I wanted to change. And when you, you were 33 around that area or that time zone, um, you took a break, right? You took a break where you didn't even teach at your family yeah. facility. How long was that break and before you returned? It was about nine months. Mm -hmm. It was nine months. I took a break because my mom and I were also clashing at that time too. It was just a lot of stress, right. you know, a lot of stress with the business not doing well. And um, she was taking it out on me, you know, and I just couldn't, I wasn't having it anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm gone. Like, what did you do for those nine months? Um, just typical jobs. Right. I had a stepmom. Like I had a stepmom who worked, um, she's, uh, works in the lab for the, like, so she does like a lot of testing for like patients that do they have AIDS? Do they have this? Do they have that? So mm. she would work at this lab and she hooked me up with a job. Didn't have any experience, but she got me in because I was her stepson. Oh, yeah. So I, I what did worked. you do? And like, what was, what was your role in that? So my role was basically looking at blood samples. I had to make sure I labeled the blood samples properly because they were going to get shipped out to, back to the hospitals. And if I messed up and I put the wrong label or the wrong person's name on the wrong blood, somebody's getting the wrong results. So keep in mind, this was also uh, my first time ever doing like, uh, what do they call it? Like night shifts yeah. where it's like graveyard shifts. Yeah. It was my first time ever doing graveyard shifts. So it's a huge adjustment from being an athlete my whole life eating, sleeping, training during the day. And then at a certain time at night, you go to bed. But this is like, I'm staying up all weird, odd hours of the night into the early morning before I get to go home and sleep. So uh, that's what I would do. And for like nine months, um, my, I remember my mom uh, invited me to a fight. I hadn't seen a fight in a long time, but it was Sanchai versus Kevin Ross. And she's like, hey, this is gonna be a great fight. Do you wanna see it? And I was like, absolutely, I need to go see this. And when I went to go see the fights, I was inspired again. 
And the ex-girlfriend I was with at the time saw that inspiration in me. She was just like, wow, you just lit up tonight. Like, why don't you call your mom? And, you know, I understand you guys argued, but why don't you just try reaching out to her and see if there's maybe something you can maybe teach part-time or something. And it was honestly the best timing for the both of us because when I called, my mom had brought him back Kurex, mm. you know, even though the weird dynamic that they had at that time, she just brought him back. And she said, you know, I'm, I'm, it's not really working out with Kurex and him. He's not really committed to the gym. And when I mentioned that I would like to teach, you know, do you have, do you have any available times? And she said, you know what? Yeah, let's talk. So that actually brought me and my mom together again. And we, we started working together. I became head trainer again and just had that much more appreciation for it because it had been taken away from me for so long. Right, right. It allowed me to see where my true passion lied, where my, where my true gifts were. Um, I wasn't really helping people at the lab, but in Muay Thai, I was helping people. I was making a difference in people's lives. I was starting to train fighters again and, you know, helping build people up. And that's something that has always resonated with me. Um, even at a young age, I like to help people. Right. Yeah. And no, I've noticed that from you from since I met you, you know, but I think something that everybody's gonna is wondering is like when you were working at this lab were you like oi <laughs> were you doing any of those you know Muay Thai no no no, oh, okay, no okay. I did we were just wondering you know because <laughs> yeah. you know you do it here all the time everybody yeah. does it because of you so we're yeah. just wondering when you when you shifted <laughs> careers for a little bit yeah you just still kept those old uh, no no tithing, that's you why know? you got to stay with the Muay Thai community go. because if not you'll lose those things that's you'll cool, lose man. it well listen I, I know that like the, your passion and your love for this place and everything that that from the past you know we've known each other since we were like 23 years old yeah. we're coming up almost uh you know 15 18 years together yeah. uh as our friendship um it's definitely knowing your dreams for this place and a lot of the things that have uh that have developed you know that you wish you had back then or that you would wish for has came true can you uh share like what were those desires that you had for MTK that have now become a reality and like how you look at it now? You know absolutely. What I mean? Absolutely. So I, I know like back in the day when I would step into our older gym that we used to be at, it was like 30, it was like 3,500 square feet at that time. And I remember looking around the gym, just seeing all this tremendous potential that our gym could be something so special, but I just didn't have any say. Right. I didn't have any input that I could put where my parents would like, oh, yeah, let's do that. Um, but one of the things that I always uh, wanted was an amazing merch store. I've always wanted an amazing merch line where people would love wearing our stuff, even if they're not training in Muay Thai. They want to just wear it out and about. I wanted a, a really cool looking logo. I wanted a really cool just design. Um, I wanted to have... Um, just an incredible modern looking facility, amazing modern clean looking facility. I wanted red's, red's my favorite color. Um, but obviously my parents didn't agree with red, blacks, like they just weren't into that. So just the color changes, the logo, the merch store, um, having a more modern looking facility. And then just my vision was just having like just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like, students that's what i always envisioned you know for the gym and to see it like play out the way it has in such a short period of time with you buddy has just it it i always have to be careful because i get teary-eyed every time i talk yeah. about it because it's like it hits right. you know it hits and 
It's just like tears of joy, right. you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I know we've had this conversation many, many times and, um, um, I know that, you know, you, you know, um, you don't mind me talking about this, but I know that when you're, you know, your dad, you know, you would say he was a hard worker. He was always hustling and everything. And even though, you know, your biological dad is what I mean by, um, you know, what you told him, you know, what you told him before he passed away, you know, and uh, I don't know if you want to share that a little bit because yeah. I know that it's something that keeps, makes you get up every morning. I know we don't, we run on four hours of sleep every day. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we run this place seven days a week. So, you know, I think it's a, it's a fuel that I know that makes you get up every morning yeah. and, you know, um, do you mind sharing that? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, so for those of you guys who don't know, I lost my dad last year, uh, due to lung cancer and, um, he was, he was hurting, he was hurting bad. And I got to see him, um, one week before he actually passed and he was just in really bad shape. Um, no energy, but I remember the tear, like the, the happiness that he, when he saw me surprise him with my visit. And then, so fast forward a, a weekend later, I saw him on a Sunday, fast forward to the following Sunday, I get a call from my stepbrother, from my step aunt, or sorry, from my stepbrother, my stepsister. And they're just like, Hey, did you hear the news? And I'm like, what? Um, your dad just passed. And I didn't know what to think at that time. I turn around, I'm driving on the freeway. I like turn around, I rush back and I go, and I go to him. And just so you guys know, like my, my dad was proud. He just kept seeing all the like, the changes and the things that I said we were going to do with the gym, he, he started to see it and he was really proud and I didn't get a chance for him to see like what I had told him initially that we're going to have MTK gyms nationwide dad. And he was like, man, son, that's awesome. And he would say, I'm so proud of you. Like, good job, you know? And the day of his deathbed, I remember before the hospice took him away, I whispered in his ear. Um, I just said, uh, I told him, I'm going to continue making you proud. Just watch. And that's been my driving force like every day, even though days I don't feel like getting up. You know, some days I'm just super tired, but I think of him, I think of my team, and I think about how many sacrifices we all make, you know, to, to make this vision come true. Like, it pushes me. And then all the members that we touch – on a daily basis, like it, it inspires me. Like my members don't realize they inspire me to keep pushing, you know, to keep yeah. changing lives. No, I, I agree. I think, um, I think, uh, you know, if we feed off their energy and I know you feed off their energy, you know, and it's, it's tough, you know what I mean? It's been, it's not easy. You know, I think I, I hear it every single day that people are, you know, through the background, I always hear like, how do you do it, Neil? How do you do it? How do you do it? You know, it's, we, we spend 90, I think it's 90 hours you spend a week here in this facility, you know? Um, but it's these, these stories, these promises, these challenges, these individuals of everyday life from our staff, from, you know, our students, from the stories we hear from them and, you know, creating this podcast, to be inspired because um, just hearing their stories gives me the inspiration to know we're doing the right things, if that makes sense. And I yeah. think I, in every meeting that we have, you know, I, I, I say it over and over and we say it to our team is that like, we're doing something good for people. 
Yes. You shouldn't be ashamed of like, we don't sell cigarettes. This is not a bar. This is not alcohol. This is not bad things for anybody. Yeah. So when you sit down with somebody, they, they're in here for a reason. They're looking for something. They're looking for some type of hope, whether it's health, whether it's, you know, they're going through th something that's happened to them with their family members and they need to release that stress. You know, we're here for them and we change people's lives for that, you know. Um, and I thank you that because, um, and I thank you for sharing your story because I know it's, you know, it's personal, but I think, you know, it's also life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it's going to happen to all of us one way or another. Um, and um, I just think, uh, you know what I mean? People need to hear it. And, I, and I, you know, I think people need to hear your struggle, your story, your push, what, you know, what also what inspires you, you know, because I know it's as it's, it's, this might sound like it's like a, a moment where, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's touching and obviously, but you get up every day, man, and you smile and you give high fives and you run your classes like with that energy every single day. But something has to fuel that, you know what I mean? Because it's beyond, you know, you know, materialistic stuff in a sense of like, you know, just success, you know, and however people want to measure it, you know, whether it's money, cars, whatever it might be, there has to be more to it because there has to be a, at least for myself and I know for you and for all of the rest of our staff, it's like, what is our cause? Why do we do this? You know what I mean? Because it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's very hard. And um, I think people don't, un people underestimate how hard it is, you know, to do it day in and day out. Yeah. And no you matter know what, how you're feeling. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's beyond like money's great and success is great. And the things that it gives you, right. It's important because we all got to live, but to do this day in and day out, it's, it, it just can't be about that. You know what I mean? There has to be a bigger movement to yeah. it. And I think this is one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast. And I think, I don't remember how it came about, but when we mentioned it and we looked at each other, there was no like, let me think about it. Yeah. We never had that, you know, yeah. we never had like, well, let's sleep on it. You know, yeah. like we, there's other decisions that we made for this gym mm -hmm. where we're like, well, let's, let's play it out. Let's see, or we might disagree. But when we did this and we said, Hey, this is the purpose for it. Mm -hmm. We, we didn't hesitate. No, you know, we, 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 we contacted, you know, Paul right away. We, we figured out what do we need. Mm -hmm. We jumped on it pretty quick and yeah. we rolled with it right away because we knew instantly who we wanted on our show we we knew instantly the stories of people that we've heard in the back and just everybody that we've asked they've been so happy and as nervous as they've been they've wanted to share that story because they wanted to let people know that hey you're not alone you know yeah. what i mean so uh i thank you for that because um a lot of people don't know your story you know and uh what would you say buddy to um individuals who are who are um who ha who have like something that they want you know what i mean whether they have a business whether they like if they have a business or they have a desire they want to be whatever a fighter or a singer or a rapper or whatever it might be that this uh, their desire just the way you did back then and they feel like their hands are tied like they don't have a say what would you say to an individual like that that is um that is out there and just feels like like they can't move forward or you know break through that wall that's a that's great um that's a great question um what I would share with everyone would just be um for me and i and I hear it from other successful people as well it's like a switch that goes off inside of you it's just a switch that goes off inside of us 
that you're like, I don't want this anymore. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what happened to me. I was just fed up. I didn't want that life anymore. And so a switch inside of me said, okay, I need change. Now my mind started looking for things like, okay, what do I need to do? And my thing was, I need a business partner. And I'm really big on the law of attraction. And so my mind was so consumed with finding a business partner. And, you know, lo and behold, three months later, I get a text message from you, you know, saying, oh, um, I'll be back. You know, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Are you at the gym? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. And um, that was it, really. It's like that switch needs to go off first of like, like, I'm tired of whatever I'm doing right now. That switch has to go off. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm ready to do whatever it takes. And that's what that switch was for me. Um, I was tired of my life and I didn't want it anymore. I wanted a new, I, I wanted to prove to myself that I am much better than what I've already accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was the switch for me. And, and then you just have to just one step at a time, you know, don't think that I just went all in because the, for those of you that don't know, I mean, Edwin, he's, he's one of my best friends. We've known each other for so long since like 2004, um, but he's my business mentor. He's my mentor as well. And, you know, when we first came, I had a lot of bad habits I had to break, you know, habits that I've developed over years. Right. And, um, it was just, you just got to have the right people around you that can point out your bad habits and then correct you. Right. And help you shift the way you think about like in our heads, we think we're doing a good job, but then someone comes around and says, no, actually you should you're doing it like that. You should actually try doing it this way and you'll get to this point faster. And it's like, a, you get that light bulb moment. Like, Oh wow. I never saw it like that. You get a different perspective. And so it was your help too, that helped me kind of fine tune my, my vision because I was not realizing how much work it was really going to take. I knew in my head it was going to be a lot of work, but my definition of work at that time was different than it is now. And that's, that's why I tell people just one step at a time. You, everyone has their own learning curve and it took me a while to get into a flow. Um, you know, so I, I would always recommend you got to have that switch that goes off and then one step at a time, write down what you need to do to accomplish your goal and just take one step at a time. Don't get too carried away. Don't get overwhelmed. Cause if you look too far in advance, you'll get overwhelmed and that can sometimes, um, deter you right but if you just hey let me just do this for today let me these are my tasks i need to do let me just accomplish this and when you keep doing that daily it builds momentum and then before you know it you're like holy crap like i'm i'm on the verge of doing whatever it is that i want to do so that that would be my advice to people that switch needs to go off that i'm tired of whatever i'm doing i need to change now that switch has to go off first and then number two write down the tasks and things that you're going to need to do to attain that goal. And then just slowly but surely each day, just keep doing tasks that are going to help you get closer and closer to that goal. But be patient because everyone has their own learning curve. You're going to have to break a lot of bad habits. That's, that's what I would say. What are some of the tasks that you have? Can you name like three or four of them that you do that are daily that help you improve? Um, okay. Yes. Uh, number one is writing down what I need to get done for the day. So like goals? Um, starting, yeah, goals, daily tasks, anything. And it can be anything related to my business, like the gym, or it could be related to personal things like go work out. It seems so simple. Eat six times a day. That's a norm for me, but there's something that you taught me is that um, when you write your tasks down, 
whether it be small or big, the, the accomplishment you feel of checking it off or crossing it off that you completed that at the end of the day, when you, when you see everything crossed off, you feel so accomplished. You feel so good. And that leads you into the next day with more momentum than the last where you're more excited, like, oh, let me see what other tasks I need to do. And that that's one thing I would say, write stuff down, because as good as a memory think we have, you forget stuff, especially when we're working 18-hour days, seven days, we forget stuff. So write stuff down, your t- daily tasks. You definitely got to consume. You got to learn, whether it's from books, uh, podcasts, audiobooks, YouTube, even if it's just social media, like whatever you can grasp knowledge-wise where you can just enhance yourself in any way, do it as much as possible. I read this uh, most recent book by Bobby, Cra- Bobby Castro called Upsiders. I would really recommend someone who might be going through that weird phase where like, I want to change, but I don't know. Upsiders would be a great book for them um, because it teaches you how to unplug yourself, you know, and have like a positive mentality, positive attitude. So those were those would be the things that I would recommend. That's amazing, man, and uh, I agree. I mean, those are daily things that you know that we uh, implement to make a habit. You know what I mean? And uh, for those, I mean, thank you so much, you know, for being on uh, my podcast, our podcast. <laughs> but uh, Muay Thai saved me. I think people been wanting to hear the story. I wish we could we could probably do four or five hours with you of all the things that we've gone through. But yeah. you know, as the you know as we progress on this channel, um, you know, people are going to hear a little bit more about yeah. our our business adventures and Absolutely. stuff like that because uh, it's been a it's been a rough, exciting. I don't know everything last uh, relationship that we've had the last four years has been just crazy yeah. and I think it's just with time we'll we'll share it you know yeah. what I mean uh, but we, we might even create a reality series too yeah there just, you go <laughs> <laughs> did you just tilt your head yeah no, I did let's cut that out no, anyways <laughs> but uh, but um, we thank you for that because um, you know we I think sometimes people look at you as like a Superman a superhero and we think like we don't have the problems just like everybody else but. Again, Muay Thai is involved, has been involved in your life, is involved in your life, and it's made a huge impact, and we continue to do that, and uh, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, of course. You're very welcome. Appreciate it. It's a little different sitting on this side uh, today, but yeah, absolutely. It It is great. It is, it is. But once again, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and like in the bottom, and until next time, see you guys.